0: Welcome to Momentum Church. I'm so glad to be back. We missed you all last Sunday, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And I want you to open your Bibles to John, just get to right to the beginning of John. As you get there, I do want to send kind of my appreciation for, for Miss Linda at the door. If, if you guys come early ever, just love on her, make her feel appreciated. And she is the hostess with the mostess. She is the greeter with a fever. no. And the cure is welcoming people. I, I don't know. But she, she, don't say fever nowadays, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but she's amazing. And so just give her some extra love. I just think she's a precious, precious saint of God. So, but man, it's good to be here. We're gonna get into something that I began to prepare in my heart in August, on paper in September, and all through the fall, I've been working on this series in John, and I cannot wait to get into it. But really, it came from the idea that, that I wanted to simplify in 2022 how many need some simplification in your life yeah 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 i wanted to simplify and i'll be honest i i wanted to simplify when it comes to ministry and i love worship today it was just all jesus 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 wasn't that awesome because that's what it's about anyhow And it was just such a simple, beautiful time of worship because we're just lifting up Jesus' name. And and this year, what I want us to do, you have your Bibles with you. I I have been asking you for the last few weeks, bring your Bible, bring a notebook. If you're a guest with us today, don't feel bad. But next week, try to bring a Bible, bring a notebook, let us know. If you don't have one, we'll help you out, all right? Are the lights up to where you can see? Take a look. Everybody in the first service said yes. The reason why is because what we're going to do this year is we're going to simply open the Word of God to learn about the Son of God so that we can experience the love and life of God. That's what we're going to do this year, and we're going to do it around the book of John. And so as we go through John, we'll take little sections of John and study on them, and then we'll jump out into another series. We'll come back and study some more in John and on and on through this year. But right now, I want you to stand to your feet, because we're going to honor God's Word. This is the last time I'll have you stand, I promise. Unless the Holy Spirit has you jump up and shout and run around this building. Come on. No. Everybody's like, just invite me. I will. I felt like that like two Sundays ago. Man, we got singing that it is well, it is well. And it hasn't been so well. And I started hearing that, and I just want to be like, Jesus. But I didn't. I did pogo. I was jumping up and down, and Monday my foot hurt. (laughs) I had to pray about it. I'm sorry. Let's get serious. Jesus, help us, Lord. (laughs) So, last two weeks when we were together, we saw that John's twofold purpose for the gospel of John was one of believing in Jesus, and in doing so, by believing in him, that you would have life. That's the twofold purpose. The nature of John is a little different than the other gospels. John is one that paints a picture of who Jesus is through illusions and metaphors. There's so much symbolism in here. And that's the reason why they call John's gospel the spiritual gospel. Doesn't mean the other ones aren't, but he loves to tell the story of Jesus in very symbolic ways that often differ sharply from the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three are called, just to give you a little understanding, the synoptic Gospels is what theologians call it. Do you hear the word optic? It's because they see. That's the optic. They look, and then you hear the word sin. S Y N. That's this is like a synonym. So they look similar. They look the same. Those first, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John, man, it just stands out on its own. And I absolutely love the Gospel of John. And so I want you to listen in this first four verses because you're going to hear those two purposes. So we begin with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so you can hear the premises set: there is one who comes from the beginning, who is God. He's with God, but He is God, etc. Will you believe in Him? It doesn't ask you that question, but it throws out a proposition that calls you to go. Really, really. And then what John does: the rest of his gospel, he's like, "Oh yeah, really? I will show you." And you just see Jesus doing all sorts of awesome stuff, you know? But it sets it up. Then it goes on. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Boy, that's that second part, having life. And so we can see that, how that works. And I just want to start with prayer. Let's just go to the Lord. Jesus, as we open up your word today, and you reveal yourself to us through your gospel writer, John, allow it to shape who we are, how we think, how we live. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. You can have your seats, y'all. Here's what I love about John. Today we're going to look at verse 1 through verse 18. Verse 1 through 18. And it's like John is just chomping at the bit to talk about Jesus. you got to understand this is almost 50 years after Jesus' ascension. And John's an old man now, you know. And his mind, I believe, all this time has remunerated over the idea of his buddy, Jesus, his friend, Jesus. John was known as the beloved of Jesus. They were friends. They were close. I mean, just all those years. And now he has the opportunity to write his, his, his gospel. And it's wild because he just, at breakneck speeds, just starts telling us all about who Jesus is. I mean, like, literally, it's just like, blah. blah, blah, blah. I mean, he he begins to reveal to us that Jesus is the eternal God. He, He goes on, he's the creator God. He goes on, and he begins to show us that he's the savior God. He takes on, he says he's a polarizing God. He jumps into the idea of a relational God and that he is one who is the only God. He just, it's like, blah. Have you ever had like so much you wanted to say about a person? You just can't get it out enough? I used to call Amy, she's so sweet. When I was pastoring in Pennsylvania as an intern, I was 19, 20 years old. And every time I talked about her, which was often, look at her. So much to talk about. She's sweet. She's awesome. And I would always say, she's so sweet. She's so sweet. And one of the guys started calling her. Well, how sweet, is she so sweet doing <laughs> Why? Because every time I opened my mouth, it's like I had to talk about my friend. You know? And now John has that opportunity. And the reason why it's so important for us to understand, you know, John is telling us you can't understand God if you don't start with Jesus, literally. And here's what this, if I had a title of today's talk, it would be who does John say Jesus is and why should that be important to you? Who is he? And so the first thing he says is he is the eternal God, the eternal God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He's making the case that Jesus didn't begin in the womb of Mary, all right? Jesus always was. He was in the beginning with the Lord. He was God. He, he is with him and everything else. He's the Word. And so the case is that he is always been. He is the eternal God. Now, he uses the word logos, L O. G-O-S, if you're taking notes, Logos. And if you're not taking notes and you want to go back and look at this later, obviously we'll have this online, but you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv and there are the notes for today's sermon, the points and the verses, and you can study that on your own always, all right? But the concept of Logos, John grabs a hold of. And he wants to use it in describing who Jesus is. And there's a very good reason why, because he's wanting people of the Greek um, Hellenistic mindset of the Roman culture at the time to to hear who Jesus is. He's kind of contradicting them. He's kind of goading at them a little bit. And he's wanting the Jewish people today to understand who Jesus is. And so he goes with the concept of Logos. And Logos has a very extensive, varied background in Greek religion and Greek philosophy. All right? What Logos was, it was the understanding of the, the unifying principle of all things. So everything that brings unification to all things in the world are summed up in Logos. Now, with Logos, it was the idea that, that the, Greek, the Greek philosophers, the sophists at the time, Logos spoke of human wisdom. Think of the word logistics. It has in the root. Logos, all right? So human wisdom, and, and, and that was the principle behind it, was that. And it looked for the Logos as the principle of reason or order in the world. So everything finds its meaning in Logos. Everything finds its meaning in human reasoning, understanding of the human world. And that's as high as it gets, per se, in that, okay? But then John comes along, where the people were tying Logos to man's intellect John is saying, no, 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 Logos isn't your intellect or understanding or the order in the world. Logos is a person. What you're looking for is Jesus. And I told the first service, I am dry like crazy today, so I'm going to drink a lot of water. My tongue starts to get stuck. Logos is a person is what John is saying. This unifying principle of all things is Jesus. Jesus. If you want to say the ionic bond that holds everything together beyond the matter and the littlest parts that you can see, Jesus holds everything together. In the Bible, it says that by him, all things are created and in him, all things are held together. Jesus is that order in the world. He is that logos in the world. And what I love about that, that logos, that word in life, everything has a word over it, right? Like everything you have in life. I mean, if you look at this microphone, there it's a microphone. You know, this is a stand, this is a stool. What I love about Logos and it being Jesus, literally, He is the name above every name. Today's worship was apropos, amen? He is the name above every name. And so, yes, you have microphone, you have all these things, but then you also have names like cancer. But he is the name above every name. Yeah. COVID. But he is the name above every name. Marital strife. But he is the name above every name. How about addiction? But he is the name above every name. He is the one that brings back order when we lean into him. And so we see here he is one that has always been from the very beginning. And John's not only saying that there's a person who is the unifying principle of all things, but this is where it gets personal. He is, from the wor- he, he is the one whom from the world, the world was created and the world can find order again. Your marriage, you stood at an altar and made a vow and that, that marriage was created, that family was established and now it's being threatened. But if it was created once because he is Logos and his name is above marital strife, it can be recreated be healed. You can grow and learn and be the couple that God's calling you to be. Amen? And so that idea of creation, Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. By the word of the Lord, creation took place. So next, John begins to reveal Jesus as creator God. John 1, verse 3 and 4, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. All things made through him, and the light that we have, it's the life of men. And I love that. Think about that. God, in the creation experience, takes dirt from the ground, forms man intimately, breathes life into this dirt, And now we have Jesus being pictured as a creator. It's that picture that he's still hands-on. He's still breathing the spark of life into us. That light became the life of man, and he's still breathing into your situation. He's still bringing that spark, amen? Everything in life starts with Jesus. He is the spark that brings everything into being. That's who he is. Everybody say life. So we see this word, life, and this isn't the word bios, B-I-O-S, bios, where you get biology, speaking of living things or everyday life, this is speaking of zoe, say zoe, zoe, zoe or sometimes you'll see a little kid named Zoe, that, that's where they get this, zoe is a supernatural life, so when it says everything, it's not, it's not speaking of bios, it's saying zoe there supernatural life that belongs to god that the believer shares through life in jesus in him was life and the life was the light of men it's that kind of life it's a supernatural life and i i was glad pastor brantley and i we didn't speak before service i was glad we haven't talked for two weeks we're upset with each other no no we didn't speak and i was glad he went into talking about the supernatural Because it's not just everyday life. God has called us to a life of supernatural things. He's the creator, and he spoke, and there was. And in your life, there's times where things seem gone, and you need him to speak, and there is. He is supernatural, and we can believe that, and we can have life, is what John is saying, the whole book of it. Maverick and I, we like to camp. So my boy and I, we were camping, and it was raining, and um, we wanted to make fire, but everything's wet. It has been raining all afternoon, and, you know, it's getting close to dark, and we want some heat, we want some light. We don't have to go to our hammocks early and just be in bed super early. We want to enjoy the night. And so I said, Mac, we're going to make a fire, but, Daddy, everything's wet. Well, all right, so we go, and we find some birch bark, a birch tree, and we take that birch bark off, and we scrape that, scrapings from the inside, the dry part of the birch, We found some dead fall, which are trees that are laying, and we took those. They're wet, but we were able to chop them, and we were able to take the knife and baton and get little pieces of wood out of it that are dry on the inside. And then we took our knife, and I showed him how to feather and spread that that wood out real thin so it'll light once that bark stuff lights, you know? And then I told him, buddy, we're gonna do this the hard way. We're not gonna use a match, right? You know, matches can get lost. We're not gonna use a lighter, Lighters can get broken. I wanted him to understand there's a way to make light that, as long as you don't lose it, that you can take with you, and it'll work in the rain. It'll work any time. And so we took a pharaoh rod. Have you ever seen one of these? Whoa, that's awesome. Jesus is that spark, that light. You see that? I, I'm... <laughs> I'm going to do it higher so it cools. It's 3,000 degrees, guys. I'm going to do it higher so it cools down so our administrator, Christy, doesn't um, hurt me. That might not be a good idea either. (laughs) (laughs) But you you get the point, you know. And so I'm not going to do it toward anybody because literally it's 3,000. But you see that spark? And so you, we, we sparked it into that stuff. And, and then you get that little handful. How many's done this before? Anybody? Yeah, we got some campers. So then you blow into it, you know, the whole bit. And then the next thing you know, it's such a nice big fire that we have created. You hear that word? Such a nice big fire that no matter how damp the wood is almost, you can throw it on it, and it dries it out, and then it starts burning too. And what I'm saying is he is the creator. He is that one that is light, and in him that light is life that light is creation as well. If you think about it, and whatever's going you're going through, you may have a life that feels very damp right now, dampened in your relationships, in your job, in your faith, in whatever it is, your finances. It feels like the water's been poured down upon it, but he is the spark of life, and he can ignite and create what you need in your life. More important, he can ignite and consume what you don't need in your life. Amen? Amen? And so... I just want him to understand that with, with that way of doing it, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Here's the thing about a pharaoh rod, this will work. Eight to twelve thousand strikes. That most people will never use that in a lifetime. They'll lose it probably before they, they, they light it. But eight to ten thousand for the normal person, that's a lifetime, you know? The spark you are looking for is Jesus. And man, he will light your life. For a lifetime, if you'll let Him. Amen? Give God some praise. Amen? What's beautiful about that, too, is He'll light when you're going through the storms, He'll light no matter the brokenness you're going through. Man, He is the light and life of man. And so there's that. The second thing we see, if you think about light and life, and, I mean, and that's the life we're looking for. Isn't it? That light, that supernatural light, that zoe life. But when you think about light and life, in him was life and the life was the light of men. If there is life, then there is also death. If there's life, there's also death. If there is light, there's also darkness. Two opposing things. And so the next thing you know, John starts to talk about a polarizing God. A polarizing God. And here's the thing about that. In our world, we don't like the idea of a polarizing God. No, no. God's for everything, everybody, every you know, and we we don't want division. It's just, it's a, but hold on, John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that. A little bit of light, darkness is expelled. It cannot overcome it. Some versions will say comprehend. It just means it can't overcome. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture because it's speaking to the fact that light It overcomes darkness in our lives. Whatever we're going through, his light will do that. But watch this. Through Jesus and the life he brings, nothing can overcome you. That's what this is saying. He's the solution to our darkness. He dispels the darkness or the hidden things in our life or the undone things in our life. But when I looked at this, I was seeing this dualism. Say dualism. And I'm going to explain what dualism is because you can see in the scripture that there is light and darkness, life, and death. You can see that in these passages. What dualism is, it's the division of something conceptually into two opposed or contrasted aspects. Light, dark, okay? They, they contrast each other. They are, are detrimentally or, or diametrically, rather, opposed to each other. You have darkness, you introduce a little light, you don't have darkness anymore. Maybe dim, but it's starting to have darkness. An effect on it the 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 world is trying to move us away from dualism to monism okay monism is a theory of of, or doctrine that denies the existence of a distinction or a duality between aspects and the world would love that because it's attacking absolute truth And and i even hate to say it's as if the world's out there no guys the world's in here the church, we're the world too sometimes, being honest, okay? And there is so often, and I won't get on my soapbox, spiritual things, supernatural things um, that, that, that we set aside and we begin to embrace other religious things and expressions, some things very new age, very Wiccan, etc. and we'll call it spiritual. And as a Christian, well, it's kind of the same. No, it's not. It's, I mean, it's kind of the same if you don't want to if, if, if you want to invite demonic presences to be a part of your home, go ahead. It's kind of the same, you know. But, but isn't all supernatural stuff the same? Isn't every, no, no, the Bible's really clear. There is a duality, and here's the problem with that. That means if there's a duality, then there is light and dark, there is good and evil, there is right and wrong, there is truth and life, there, there is man and woman, I'm not going to go down that path too long today, but if we can attack men and women, something so on the, the DNA level, then how can we say anything is truthful? How can we say anything has, has two things? Everything, it's just all the same. It's all alike. Do you see how the enemy is starting to use that to bring monism more into the world? We've been seeing it for a long time now. It's just getting new expressions, and getting stranger expressions. And expressions that, that we have to, with our mind, try to reason, but it's not reasonable in light of the order of creation. But again, I'm not going to go down that path too long today. I just want to say that's the fruit of, of monism. And here we see that there is light and there is darkness, a clear division in Scripture between right and wrong doesn't mean that we look down our nose at anybody. doesn't mean that we have it all together. How many sinned this week? Raise your hands. Take a picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I just want you to see that, that he's a polarizing God, and that's okay. You're supposed to be a chosen generation. You're supposed to be a royal priesthood. You're supposed to be a peculiar people that God uses together to build something powerful in the earth, and not for your glory, but for his glory and for the goodness of people, the help of people. Amen? But we want to just be like the world in all things. Amen? John 1, verse 6-8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is speaking of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And I love this. It's like John is writing. John The apostle is writing, and he's so excited about Jesus, but I'm going to tell you something about John the Baptist. He's bearing witness to the light. Oh, that's enough about John. I'm going back to Jesus. That's how excited he is. But there are some good things that we're going to point out to that here. But he bears witness to the light because Jesus is the one that can save you, is what he's saying. If you receive him, he's the one who can save you. And so the next name or the next thing that he reveals is that God is Jesus' Savior God savior john 1 9 through 13 the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world and i think this plays into that whole idea of dualism if there's true light then guess what there's also false light and he's saying no no jesus is true light he's coming to the world why because jesus when it comes to revealing god he is the genuine and ultimate self-discloser of god to man He is the true light. He discloses who God is to us. Another thing I see with this, this idea of giving light, it says he gives light to everyone. Powerful. And the reason why it's powerful is because religion also looks, often looks like it's for us, by us, you know? It's the fubu of faith. Now, for us, for you guys, most of you don't know Fubu. That's years ago. But it's a for us, I mean, it's like literally like, like we have faith and the people that have it look just like us, talk like us, act like us, same culture as us. And you see faith like that all around the world. It looks like us, talks like us, acts like us. We continue to see people like us to bring them into that. Christianity's not like that, it's for everyone. It's the true light to everyone. One, I love that. Every color, every tribe, every tongue, every, every um, 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 socioeconomic level or stance, every caste around the world, he has come for everyone, his Savior. Now, because that's powerful, but although the invitation is for everyone, there's a choice to receive or deny him that has to be made Personally. It says in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In other words, God wanted you to be his child. It wasn't by no man. It wasn't by something that's trying to cajole. No, no, God, he was looking to make you his child. And Jesus came to make that possible, to be Savior for us. So the true light that we read about here isn't just a concept or a philosophy that we receive. It's a person who saves. That's who the true light is. We receive a person. We receive Jesus, who is God in the flesh, that walked with men and let them out of the darkness of sin and into his marvelous light. That's who we receive. Amen? Give God praise while I get a drink. Come on. Man. <clears throat> All right. The next one we see, he is human God. He is human God. As I said, he is God who in the flesh came and walked with men. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'll stop right there. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, came close to us. See, the Greeks and the Romans, they, they would see their gods as detached and separated from the struggles of humanity, the heartaches of life. They would see him distant, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that beautiful? But that, that word dwell in the Greek is, is, is um, um, oh, I just forgot it. I knew it, but I just forgot it. Ooh, how did I forget that? Skino? Skeeno. And, and it literally means tabernacle to tabernacle. And, and in the Old Testament, you see the Israelites going from bondage to the promised land. And as they went, there was a tabernacle of meeting that they built. And here it says about Jesus that he dwelt among them, and we have seen his glory. So that tabernacle that would dwell with them, God would dwell with them through that tabernacle of meeting. And as you look at the Old Testament, as they were on that wandering, it says in the scriptures that his Shekinah would be present within that tabernacle. Some people like old timers say Shekinah, but in Hebrew, it's actually Shekinah. And, and, And it just means the glory of God, the manifest presence of God. And so that's tying, the, 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 the Jewish person hearing this, wouldn't this wouldn't have been lost on them because they would have realized that tabernacle of meeting where God's presence abided, at night there would be a fire in the night and at day there'd be a cloud when it was time for us to go. But when that wasn't happening, his presence was there. Man, his presence, manifest presence never left us. And then his presence would, he would lead them by, like I said, a fire at night and a cloud by day. And God would take them on that journey. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, you're on a journey in life, and I'm going to tabernacle with you. I'm going to skino. I'm going to dwell with you. I love that. Not separated and detached like the, 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 the pantheon of the Greeks or the pantheon of the Romans. No, but with you, the visible presence of an almighty God. That's what Jesus reveals to us. It goes on, we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, So if he's full, what's this light made of, if you will? Almost like the ingredients of this light are grace and truth. And when I think about that, it's light. It's like grace to manage the darkness to my path. God gives me grace to go through all the things I'm going through. I had a buddy last night pass away, mid-50s from COVID. I was with his, on his phone with his wife last night, and this morning, man, the family is floored. It was like a week long, got sick and gone. Super healthy, super fit. Man, that family needs the grace of God, and the light of God will illuminate and be their life. I know God will get them through this, through his grace. Truth, it says grace and truth. Truth, it shows you the way. It guides you in the path that God has for us. That's who Jesus is. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. What, what's grace upon grace when it says it there? It literally means it's going to get better and better. Old guy in my dad's church growing up would say, gooder and gooder, you know? That's what it's saying better and better but it's not just about the blessings that come from some distant deity that you have little connection with other than to follow some rules hoping to please them enough no no that that's that's the way people perceived it no this is one that was with us walks with us there's a relationship there that's beautiful that's powerful and out of that relationship we get to walk in the fullness of grace the fullness of truth and we experience grace upon grace Our blessings of grace, they are rooted in the relationship that we have with the living God. And that is the final one today. I don't think I skipped any. Did I miss any? Nope. The final one we have today is the relational God. John 1, 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that the law is not important. The law, the Ten Commandments, and the 613 other laws that came from, from them trying to obey the Ten Commandments, very important, beautiful, powerful. But they act as a tutor in what we are to walk in. They act as a teacher to show us you will never get this right. In and of your own flesh, you will not be able to accomplish the 613 laws that keep you from messing up with the 10. There's no possible way. But Jesus comes, and it says that he brings grace to us. We're not called to be children of the law, but children of of, of God, walking in the fullness of Christ, which is the life of grace and truth. He calls us to grace and truth. So that doesn't mean that we throw away all rules. All right? They're a tutor. They teach us what is pleasing to the Lord. Jesus came to complete the law, to fulfill it, but not to do it away, the Bible says. But now it's not so important about the law that's on stone. He comes through his Holy Spirit to live within us, and his law is written upon our hearts. And it's not about trying to follow a rule to please. It's about relationship. There is things about Amy I know she does not like. Ross, in the middle of the night, put the toilet seat down. Am I alone as a husband? No, I'm not. It's, it's pleasing if I put it, if I'm honoring her, you know, and I put it down. I used to always leave cupboard doors open, you know. It's just kind of like when you're, when you're a spaz, that's what happens, you know. And, and it became more and more where it's like, I know it sounds silly, but that's a little honor to my wife. I closed that door, you know. It may not be a big deal, but I didn't feel like a rule. It was out of relationship. I wanted to please my wife. And so, when it comes to law, it's about getting the rules right. But when it comes to grace and truth, it's about getting the relationship right. And John reveals to us that Jesus is a relational God, He wants a relationship with you, all right? So going with God in that relationship, you know, God alone in our relationship makes the difference. But so often our minds and our hearts look for other things beyond God, beyond Jesus, beyond his word, beyond the wisdom of his church, beyond the wisdom of, of spiritual leaders. I'm not just saying myself, but friends of yours that you can lean into counsel and we look for other things. But in the next verse, the final verse, Jesus, or John is speaking to the fact that he wants us to see God as only God. Jesus is only God. In John 1:18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. No one's ever seen him. He is at the father's side. In the Greek, that expression would speak of the bosom of a father. Or some would say close to daddy's heart. What I love that same phrase when translated in their time by the Jewish people, the way they would say it, literally the idiom, the Hebrew idiom would be one of a friend. It's not just intimacy between father and and son or father and daughter, but it's the intimacy between two friends. We would say that your bosom buddy. Everybody's like, I would never say that. But there was a time in our culture that that's, that's my bosom buddy, you know. You, and so that 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 connection between jesus and the father but what's needed it's not just that jesus has given us an invitation to have the same connection john is saying that's the kind of relationship you can have one between friends like bosom friends and i am we're not talking about the trinity today i know that gets a little confusing with father son holy spirit how does all that work and the thing about that, so often people will say, well, there, there's nothing, I have to see something in the earth that gives me an understanding so I can understand how Trinity works. How can it be Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? All different, all one, still God, not three gods, but one. I don't see anything in the world that would show, well, you're right, you won't, because there's nothing in the world created like him. <laughs> he created, or he's not created. There's nothing in the world like him. He created everything, and there's nothing like him. You will never be able to fully grasp Trinity. And I can give you a bunch of examples to help you understand in in part, but they all break down. Why? Because he's the creator. He's the one that is above everything, name above all names. And he's your friend. You know? I, I think that's amazing when you think about it, that he's eternal God, creator God, polarizing God, saving God, human God, relational God he's all those things but he is your friend and there's an old song that came to mind last night while i was preparing and and um and um you have to just bear with me because i was in the presence of the lord last night i came upstairs after working on my sermon a little bit more just kind of going over it my face was all red amy's like what in the world i said man i've just been with jesus you know Yesterday is a date that's kind of significant in our family and and it kind of speaks to some pain. But I've seen God's grace and truth through that pain. And I've seen him be faithful, a faithful friend. Times I wanted to walk away from him even as a pastor. But he was still my friend. And by being my bosom friend, he drew me to the closeness of the heart of the father. Because no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. And so last night I'm at the house, and, man, my mind's just thinking about the friend I have with Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to care. thing to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain Sing this next one because I need it. I don't know if you do, but have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share jesus knows our every says that Jesus is, not knowing that he can be your friend, that relational part, not knowing that, just puts Jesus as another one on the pantheon of some other gods, that's not who he is, seeing all that Jesus is, he is the only God, amen, that's who we serve, the only God, everything else is false, everything else a liar. And so I would just ask, why why would we look to any other? And some people, maybe you're already a believer here, and you hear me say that. Why would we look to any other? And your ears, your mind instantly goes, oh, he's doing the salvation call. He's going to look to people that aren't believers in the room and ask them, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, this is a good time to do that. But I'm not talking to them yet. I'm talking to you. As a believer, why do we look at everything else and all sorts of things and put our trust in other things when Jesus is the only God. It's time for us to stop looking outside his word, his person who he is, for the wisdom of men, the logic of men. I'm not saying not to lean into discernment and wisdom, spiritual wisdom, spiritual counsel. Trusting in all sorts of things. We have got to be a people who he is the supreme object of our search. He is the spark of life. He is the light of the world that brings us from darkness and leads us from death to life. He is everything, amen? And so I wanna challenge you as a believer. There's there things you're leaning into at times that it's just when you're really honest with yourself, you know what? This is monism at work in my life. I'm lumping it all together and it's not that big a deal. No, 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 we're supposed to live there. We're supposed to be polarized in some ways, amen? And now for those here that don't have a faith in Christ, but God's been stirring your heart, drawing you closer to Jesus, we're not gonna embarrass you. Just cleverly close your eyes for a second. If you're here and you're like, Ross, I really wanna begin, I wanna know that on, on what day is today? My watch isn't working. That on January 23rd, 2022, I wanna know that on that day, I begin a relationship with Jesus. And all that Ross has said today, all those things that Jesus means, I'm going to discover those. I'm going to learn what it means. All I know right now is I recognize that I haven't received him. And the same choice we saw here, I have that choice today. If that's you, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, just hold your hand up for a second. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to see your hand and pray with you. Amen. Amen. All right. We're good. Let me pray with us as we go today. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I look forward to this series and understanding you more and the life that you have for us. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.